0: Okay, we have been in a series in the church called Jesus, Con, or King. It's a series in the Gospel of Mark, which is in the Bible, um, kind of... More than halfway through the Bible, you start coming to the New Testament, and there are four books there right away Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that hone right in on the life of Jesus. And Mark is the shortest one, and it's kind of the snappiest one. It moves along at a really quick pace, and we've been in this for um, quite a few weeks now. Uh, This morning, we are going to pick the story up in Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to read to you Mark chapter 4, verse 21, quite a few verses this morning, down until the end of verse 33. And uh, if you've got a Bible, feel free to turn. If not, the uh, the, the verses will come up on the screen here behind me. So this is uh, Jesus who's speaking, in three short parables. All right, three short parables that we're going to be looking at together this morning. That Jesus speaks in Mark chapter four. He says this. He says this in Mark 4:21. Uh, and he, being Jesus, said to them, "Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest." Nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And then another parable. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And then the third short parable. And he said... With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Well, what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds of earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. A little bit cryptic, isn't it? What's Jesus talking about here? Let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us as we go through this. God, thank you that you're a speaking God. God, I do. I thank you that you're a speaking God and that you want to speak this morning. And God, we love your word. We love the Bible. We love what you have given to us in these pages. But God, we also know that you're not limited just to ink on a page, that your Holy Spirit is here this morning to help us. Spirit, I pray you would be helping us this morning that we would get to the heart of what Jesus is saying and that it would mean life for us here in Ottawa. Even though these words were spoken so many years ago in a different place in the world, Jesus, we know that what you say, what you teach, your wisdom, your truth means life for us today, even here. pray this for your glory. Amen. Amen. When I was younger, the church that I grew up in used to have uh, Sunday evening services, and my parents used to go along. It was a fairly big church, uh, and the morning service was very well attended, but the evening service not quite so much but I remember going along with my parents and uh, a really interesting thing would happen in the morning service there would be in the church bulletin kind of the order of the service there would be some set hymns that would be sung but in the evening service it was a free-for-all you could go in and people would actually I'm not making this up people would actually take the hymnal look for a page in the hymnal a hymn that they really liked look at the page number and there was an opportunity to shout out the page number and I'll tell you not much shouting happened in that church ever so that was something that would happen on Sunday night. So people would shout out a hymn. The church organist would kind of crack their knuckles and just go for it. And they would be right in and we'd be singing this hymn that would kind of get shouted out from the floors. Basically basically like hymnal karaoke was what would happen every Sunday evening at that church. I'll never forget it. Now many of the songs in that hymnal were written, you know, we're talking like early to mid 17th century, 18th century. I mean, Many of them hundreds of years old. And I remember at the time, as a kid, not being a huge fan. I wasn't a huge fan of the organ. I wasn't a huge fan of, of, of the style, the lyrics. A lot of it was kind of in a version of English, an older version of English that I just didn't understand that well. Ironically, now I'm 35 years old, I've actually come to love hymns. I've come to love the the depth that we find in hymns, and the meat that we find in hymns. But back then, it was very different for me. But there was one song that I remember would get shouted out quite often, usually by one of the young people that might be attending that evening service. There might only be three or four of us, but one of the young people would shout out a song, and it was called It Only Takes a Spark. Only Takes a Spark. They would shout out this song, and this song was in this hymnal, and it was written. It was a new song. I mean, it was was contemporary worship. It was written in the early 60s. I mean, this was a really (laughs) new song to be sung in this church. And I'm pretty convinced that somewhere, wherever the hymnal company was based, there was an intern behind a computer that thought, I've just got to slip one, one song, one slightly modern song into this book. And somehow it kind of slipped through and made it the whole way through. But there's this song called It Only Takes a Spark. And it has these words in it. It says this. In verse 1, it only takes a spark to get a fire going, and soon all those around can warm up to its glowing. That's how it is with God's love once you've experienced it. You spread His love to everyone you want to pass it on. It's nice, isn't it? It's a nice song. You know, that was, for us then, that was contemporary worship. That was kind of a a newer song uh, that we would sing. But for me, in my experience of faith, and my relationship with God at that time, that song actually felt fairly familiar to me because I thought of my faith as something every once in a while, even though it's not directly what the song was saying, but my faith felt like something where every once in a while there might be a bit of a spark, maybe. If I went to a youth event, if I went to a conference, things like that. If there was a girl involved, there'd be a spark. You know what I mean? You'd go to a worship evening or a youth group evening, and I just, I just feel like God has told me that we should be together. I feel like God's told me we shouldn't be, is what I sometimes would come back, which is a little bit different. But in those cases, there might be a spark. But my faith with God at that time, that journey, it was very, very much spark, not much flame. Certainly not much flame that was powerful. Certainly not much flame... That was strong. The lyrics of that song taught you know you kind of get this image of sitting around a a, a little bonfire. You know, it's glowing, a little, a little bit of heat, but not a raging, roaring fire that kind of demands respect. I don't know if you've ever been around like a bonfire near flames like that, where it's like, okay, we're not we're not in campfire setting anymore. This fire demands respect. This is big. This changes stuff. My faith did not in any way feel like that. The first of these three parables that we're looking at this morning, it might feel like the language that Jesus is using is a little bit like my experience of faith with, with a spark and a pleasant little fire. Is that what Jesus is talking about here? He says this in verse 21. He says, "Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or a bed and not on a stand. He's kind of talking about like an oil lamp. I don't know if you remember when you were younger, you might have visited your grandmother's house, your grandfather's house, and they might have had a little oil lamp. We don't have them really today for obvious reasons, but I know my grandparents used to have them, even though they didn't use them, but they would hang on to them. You know, these these really nice kind of antique sort of uh, objects. Jesus is saying, Do you take a lamp like that? Is it meant to be brought in and to be put under a basket or or under a bed? He's giving a parable about a lamp, about a flame. Is it meant to kind of have the, the really soft, kind of gentle connotations of what I'm talking about with that? Old song that I used to sing in my own experience of faith growing up. Well, what I want you to know as we look at this first parable is actually it's quite different what Jesus is talking about. But what is it that he's talking about here? See, these parables, there are three things that Jesus really wants to get across to us. And it's this the first one, and this is the one that has to do with the parable about the lamp, is this. Is that our faith, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your faith, our faith, is meant to be public. It's not meant to be hidden. It's meant to be public. Jesus is asking that question. Obviously, the answer is no. A lamp isn't meant to be brought in and just to be hidden. It's not meant to be brought in and kind of be hidden away. It's meant to give out light. It's meant to be seen. That's exactly what a lamp is supposed to do. But Jesus is also saying in this that if you are in Him, if you have a relationship with Him, that you are a light. And that your faith, your relationship with Him is meant to be a public thing. It's not meant to be something that is hidden away. Friends, Ottawa is a very dark city in many ways. And I say that as a, as a man who loves this city. We live centrally in the city. We love it. I, I, I love the culture here. I love the people here. I love all of it, but spiritually it's a very dark place. It's a very dark place. People worshipping all sorts of gods. And I don't mean that in a way to pick on other world religions. That's not what I necessarily mean. What I'm talking about is worshipping money, worshipping sex, worshipping accomplishments. There are no shortage of gods in Ottawa. Ottawa is a very, very dark place. And Jesus is saying, if you're in me, if you have a relationship with me, you are a light to this city. You are a light in a dark place. Jesus says somewhere else in, uh, in, in, in the Bible, He talks about Himself in John. He says that He is the light of the world. He says that He is light Himself. But then He also says in Matthew, speaking to His followers, He says, You are a light. You are a light. So when we hear language around light in the Bible, we need to know that God is the source of our light. But if we are in Christ, He, as as the one that we are made in the image of, also become light ourselves. Now this changes the way that we interact with the city. See, light doesn't need to come into a space. I've I've got a little kind of illustration that I want to show with this. Hi, (laughs) Zara. How are you? It's my weekly thank you. This is Mamu. This is Mamu the bunny. Um, Thank you, sweetheart. Do you want to find mommy? Is that all right? There's mommy. I love you. All right. No? Yes? Okay, there we go. I'll see you soon, my princess. All right. Now, let's take a look here. Remembering that the city can be a dark place, okay? We don't have much experience of dark I, I, I mean this like in, in the truest sense, like really dark spaces. We've got a one-year-old, and, and it's a constant challenge for us to make the room that he sleeps in like pitch black. It's really hard when you live in the middle of the city. I don't know how many of you know what I'm talking about. Like, I, I guess for most of us in this room, to get your room at night pitch black is really, really difficult. Because there are streetlights outside, and there's maybe you have a DVD player in the corner, or kind of the glow of the laptop in the corner, or something like that. Or your phone, right? It's really, really hard to get a really, really dark space. But you know the effect that light can have when you have a truly dark space. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe like, um, I don't know if any of you can relate to this, kind of in the middle of the night, say 3 in the morning, you've been asleep for a few hours, your eyes have been shut, okay? Okay and then you open your eyes and you think, I wonder what time it is, but you forget to turn the dimmer down on your phone. You know what I'm talking about? And you press a button in your phone and you're like, oh, (laughs) oh, it's so bright. It's like looking straight into the sun when you do that with your phone. Who's done that? Good, it's not only me. I rehearsed this this week and I thought, I'm going to have the only hand up. I'm the only one silly enough to do this. You know what I'm talking about? That kind of darkness, okay? Okay. That kind of darkness, in that kind of darkness, even the smallest amount of light has a huge effect. I love the windows here at Common, you know, the floor-to-ceiling windows. Loads of natural light flooding into the room. So when I light this one candle and I say, well, this is, this is you, individually, this is you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you might think, well, in a room like this, well, who cares? Because if you're in the back row, you're looking, you can hardly even see this little candle flickering away. It's hardly even noticeable. But imagine if this room were pitch black. Three in the morning, blackout blinds, laptop off, alarm clock off, no light whatsoever. That room, and that's a picture of the spiritual darkness of our city, that one light becomes very, very noticeable. And Jesus is saying that if you are in me, that is you. Not you will become that. Do enough things, do enough right things, enough thing and, and follower of mine, this is Jesus speaking, you will then become a light. No, you are a light. That is your identity now. It's not something that you graduate into. You achieve a certain level of holiness and suddenly become a light. You are a light if you are in Christ because He is the source of it. It all flows from Him. And if you're in Him, it then starts flowing through you as well. Now, I don't want to miss an opportunity here to talk about the church. Jesus, in this case, is talking individually. But he also is talking in other parts where he's talking about light. He's talking to all of his followers as his bride. And this is an incredible thing. We've been having, um, over the past few weeks here at Grace City Church, we've been having about, on average, about 50 people uh, in this room. Meg, would you mind coming up? Is that alright? Would you mind hold down this little thing? Mm-hmm. And um, just light from the back row Just there's, there's 50 candles here. Okay, there's 50 candles. You might think that if you're just this one, yeah, I know, it might take a while, but even if we get partway through, you get the point that I'm trying to make. You might think that you're this one little light. And how much, How much of an impact can you actually have in this city? Well, let me say to you firstly, a lot. A lot. Because remember the darkness, the spiritual darkness of the place that we are in. You can have a lot, but you know what? God's intention for you is not that you do it alone. God's intention for you is that you are joined with the church. You're joined with other followers of his, uh, other brothers and sisters, kind of the family of God. And then the impact that that has, it's going to take longer than I thought, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah. Just do a couple more. and Obviously, folks will get the point, okay? Imagine if this room were pitch black, and then you have 50 candles that are lit. The heat coming off of it, the light coming off of it, has much more of an effect, doesn't it? Use your imagination with me for a minute. That's perfect, Meg, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't think through the timing very well. Imagine these all being lit, all of them, all 50. Imagine the light then if you're seated at the back and it's absolutely pitch black and your friends. This is a picture of the church in the city. And not just Grace City Church. Other churches as well, of course. But that's God's heart for his people. So this first parable, that's Jesus saying, that we are to be public with our faith. Moving on to the second one. What about this? So Jesus, knowing that Jesus has made his followers lights that are meant to be seen and to be public with their faith. What about this next one? What about the man who scatters seed and the seed sprouts and grows? Verse 26, and he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Then the earth produces by itself first the blade, and then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. What? Again, cryptic. What? What is What is this about? What Jesus is saying here, firstly with the first parable, our faith is to be public, and this one is our faith is to be generous. We're to be generous with our faith. I remember uh, in university, a lot of friends of mine out in New Brunswick would often have jobs as tree planters. It was one of the really good-paying summer jobs for university students. Maybe some of you have done that. Now, I, I never did it myself. I once had a two-hour career as an apple picker, and I thought this is not the life for me. I, I, I am out. I'm not. If I, I just, I just couldn't do it. And you don't have to be good at much to be able to pick apples, okay? But I, I was not able to do it myself. So that type of job for me didn't really work for me. But I had loads of friends who did it themselves and I know that the process for planting a tree you walk along often you're in a line with the other people that are planting and you're counting off a certain number of spaces you stick the the, the tree planting tool <laughs> down into the ground and then you grab the baby tree and then and put it down in the th- I don't know the terminology alright and you put it down and it goes into the ground and then you put the soil around it, and then you move on and that's how you plant a tree but planting grass Planting grass is very different. You don't plant grass the same way. If you've got a house and you want to lay grass out in the front of it on a nice lawn, you don't go along with one seed of grass and a little kind of trowel and kind of go in and then put the seed in. You don't do that. What do you do with grass seed? You scatter grass seed, don't you? So there are a couple different tools that you can use for scattering grass seed. So the first one that uh, you'd use kind of in a household application is something like this. You go along and you put the seed in this little device that has a name I'm sure and, and you walk along in the lawn and the thing underneath it that does the spinning shoots the grass out it scatters the grass out all right this is what Jesus is talking about the kingdom of god is something like this it's like a man who goes along scattering seed followers of Jesus are meant to do this with the gospel with the good news of Jesus going around scattering it being generous with it not holding it back not just saying well i've got i've got one seed in my pocket today so who's the, who's the one or this week or this year so Who's the one person that I'm going to try to invest that seed in? No, Jesus is saying, you have an unlimited supply of gospel within you. An unlimited supply. Be liberal with it. Be generous with it. Scatter it like crazy. Now, there's this guy that I know in this church, he's one of our life group leaders. He has a tremendous gift of evangelism. I remember going out for a, a beer with him one evening. There was a guy sitting at the bar. We were watching a basketball game, I think. And this guy just said, uh, he just got talking to us. He was in Ottawa in business. He just got talking to us. And within like two minutes, my friend was sharing the gospel to him. I was sitting there. I was like, this is incredible. Because he's thinking, this guy's in town for a while. I'm probably never going to see him again. I'm going to tell him about Jesus. I'm going I'm to scatter some seed. But that guy with the tremendous evangelistic gift is not like this. He's like the next picture. This is another way that you scatter seed. <laughs> all right? That dude is like, he's like he's got a massive tank and a truck and a hose and that seed is just going to cover everything all around it. He doesn't care because he knows he has an unlimited supply of it. He knows he's not going to run out. And friends, we are not going to run out. We will not run out of gospel. So as you go around the city... University students, as you're on campus, and some of you, you're getting a bit nervous hearing me say this because you think I'm saying, I was rich saying that I need to walk up to people and say, Excuse me, can I share the gospel with you? In some cases, maybe. If God's given you a grace for that, don't deny that. Don't deny opportunities. But in most cases, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just getting alongside of people and just, Hey, how are you doing? One question I love asking people when I go around town, it's incredible the things that it opens up, the simplest question in the world, hey, how's your day going? Yesterday, Natalia and I went out, two days ago, Natalia and I went out in the market um, to uh, a a place that serves desserts, and we were there, doesn't matter what it serves, and we went out in the market anyway, (laughs) and I said, I thought the dessert was very good. Uh, We went out, and I said that to our waitress. I said, how's your day going? And she, she really stepped back. She said, I have never been asked that before. It's amazing how's your day going she went on to tell us about some shopping that she had done and some things that she had found it was lovely it was sweet You know what i mean it's an opportunity now in that moment did i let me tell you about jesus no i didn't in that moment there are other times where i'd say look uh, let me tell you about why i moved to ottawa and i'd go off kind of in that direction but i trust i'm going to be back there again we might see her again Be liberal, be generous with it, scatter it, because you are not going to run out. But do it in the context that God has called you to. And for all of you right now, with the exception of any of you that are visiting Ottawa right now, for all of you, with that exception, the place that God has called you to scatter seed, to to scatter the gospel, is Ottawa first. You know, Jesus says to his followers, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we can get so excited about the ends of the earth, but we actually lose sight of our own Jerusalem. We lose sight of our own immediate context. Friends, your immediate context, if you live in Ottawa, is Ottawa. This is your Jerusalem. This is your place, first and foremost, to be a witness for Jesus. Does that mean that God will never use you in other places? No, He probably will. And He may have a role for you to play in supporting others, in giving generously, and whatever else it might be. But make sure that you don't lose sight of the immediate place where God has called you to scatter seed, to scatter the gospel. And then the other thing in this is that it's done in faith. He scatters the seed. This guy scatters the seed. Jesus is talking. He says he scatters the seed and he goes to sleep. And he gets up. He doesn't know what's going to come of it. His job is just to scatter it. He's not always going back, I wonder what happened here, I wonder what happened there all the time. Maybe at times he's going to go and check things out. But his role is to scatter the seed. And to do that faithfully... Let's not become so fixed on on what's behind and where we've been that we lose sight of just moving forward and just scattering the gospel, scattering the gospel, scattering the gospel. Friends, this is a church of roughly, you know, on Sundays, 50 people, on paper, maybe 60 or 70. Imagine if we had this community, this family, going into the city each week, scattering the seed of the gospel. The impact that that would have in Ottawa is huge. It's huge. And by the grace of God, we do, all right? There are many, many that are doing it. I want to encourage you. Do it. Do it in faith. And that's really what Jesus is talking about in this third parable. The short parable about a mustard seed. A mustard seed is tiny. If you have a nickel in your pocket and it's stamped 2010, a mustard seed is roughly the size of a zero in the 2010 that's stamped on a nickel. Okay, Tiny, tiny seed. But that one seed can grow into a giant mustard plant that is so big and has so many branches that birds actually come and make their nests. They find their shelter in that plant, all from one seed. What's Jesus saying here? That we are to be expectant with our faith. That we are to be expectant with our faith. When we go out scattering the gospel, being public with our faith, we can trust that God's Word will never return void. Scattering the gospel in Ottawa will never do damage to Ottawa. It just won't. In some way, it will bring life. And it might be that it brings life in you. It might be that it puts you in positions where you're having to trust God more and you're having to step out more. You might think that had no bearing on that other person. First, it probably did. But second, it might actually be about you stepping out in that moment yourself. But whatever it is, his word will not return empty. It will not return void. So when we share the gospel, when we scatter the gospel, when we share our faith, we should be expectant that God is going to do something with it. Jesus is talking about true faith here. Even of the smallest amount, the smallest, tiniest amount of true faith produces remarkable, remarkable results. Speaking with one of our life group leaders, a different one, this week, about this very thing. This is what they had to say. Send me a note about this, which I just thought was so helpful. He says, I think we all have the tendency to think that for God to do something grand, something vast, something earth-shaking, well, we better have a grand, vast amount of faith. You ever thought that? I've definitely thought that. Yeah. Oh God, for you to move in this church in a big way, I—I'm—I'm I'm the church leader. I need to have a huge amount of faith, or you won't move. My friend's saying, no, that's not the case. Jesus says the opposite. That the smallest, mo- ma- smallest amount of faith imaginable <laughs> is enough to grow a tree of significant fruitfulness. Why? Because, listen to this, this is great. If you have Twitter, you should tweet this. This is a tweetable thing, alright? Why? Because it's not so much about the faith so much as the one the faith is in. It's not about having faith in faith, but faith in God. He does the impossible work of growth and fruitfulness. It's not about having faith in faith. I've been in... I've been in situations, my, my mother when I, was, uh, when I was younger, my mother was, was quite sick, and uh, as, a, as a Christian woman, there were some, some very well-meaning people that would go down the line of, well, you just need to have more faith. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. I remember struggling with it then. I struggle with that now. My mom was such a gracious woman. She didn't respond to it in a negative way or anything. She knew that it wasn't about, oh, I just need to muster up more faith inside of me. It's about who the faith is in. The smallest amount of true faith in Jesus can bring incredible fruit, incredible results, well beyond our wildest Imaginations. We can be expectant that faith in God, even the smallest amount, will lead to exciting growth, well beyond anything that we are capable of doing ourselves. Our calls to be public with our faith, followers of Jesus. I'm speaking to our calls to be public with our faith, our calls to be generous with our faith, and our calls to be expectant with our faith, trusting all of it to God. And as we close, I, I want to say this. Some of you in this room right now might be thinking, as followers of Jesus, man, I have just not done this. I've been in situations where I've bailed. I've, I've, I, I know I've had an opportunity. There's been a doorway there for me to share my faith, and I've just bailed. Or I've gone out and I maybe shared my faith with someone, and then I thought, well, box ticked, and then I, I just parked it for a while. You weren't generous with it. You were stingy with it. Or you did something where you thought kind of, I'm kind of doing this in faith but you just had no real no sense of expectation God you're not going to pull through for me in this oh friends we can all any follower of Jesus in this room can relate to that in some way I promise you that I certainly can as we close I want to say two things to you the first is this be careful of underestimating the power of the gospel we can sometimes fall into this trap where we think that as Christians, we kind of, you know, we, we get to know the gospel when we, when we first come to Jesus. Oh, somebody shared the gospel with us, and we respond to the gospel for the first time, the good news of Jesus, but then we really mature. Then we really advance. Then we really move on to gospel plus or gospel 2.0. Guys, there is no gospel plus. There is no gospel 2.0. The gospel is the gospel. And you will not find a better gospel, and you will not move beyond the true gospel. It is there, it is what it is. It belongs to God. Paul opens his letter to the Romans saying that. The Apostle Paul, he's introducing himself, set apart for the gospel of Paul. No, the gospel of God. The gospel is his property. It belongs to God. And Paul also says this in Romans 1 later on. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. The Gospel is the power of God unto salvation. There is no other way to salvation but by knowing the Gospel because the Gospel is all about Jesus. You cannot get to know God. You cannot become a son or a daughter of God without Jesus and the good news about Him. You just cannot do it. Trust me, I've tried. I've tried other ways. They do not work. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, Oh, I've not done this well. Friend, know that there is grace for you this morning. Oh, I've not been public with my faith. Jesus was perfectly public with His faith for you. And His record is extended to you. I've not been generous with my faith. Maybe I shared something to somebody at one time, but I've, I've just been holding it in. I've been keeping it to myself. Jesus was generous with His faith. His trusting in the Father. And his record, his perfect record, is extended to you. I've not been expectant with my faith. God, I've just not, I don't know, I say, well, God, maybe, would you do this if it's your will? Maybe, sort of. But I've just had no sense of expectation that you will move. Jesus, fully trusted, was fully expectant in things that he asked of his Father, perfectly. And his perfect record, even in that, is extended to you by grace. Don't feel any condemnation this morning if you've got it wrong. We all have, and we all will. It's Jesus' record that matters the most, and it is what is extended to us. I'm going to invite our uh, people serving us in worship to come back up and get set back up. We're going to do a song, and uh, after this song, Andrew is going to come up and lead us in communion. Again, just a reminder of what Jesus has done and his record being extended to us. Him taking the penalty for us. Andrew will tell you more about that. Let's join together in song, singing about Jesus, who He is, and what He's done for us. And then we'll we'll take communion together in, in a few minutes.